0: Hey, everybody, Ray Lucchese here with Keith Townsend. Welcome to another sponsored episode of the Greybeards on Storage podcast, a show where we get Greybeards bloggers together with storage assistant vendors to discuss upcoming products, technologies, and trends affecting the data center today. This Greybeard on Storage episode was brought to you today by Min.io and was recorded on September 17th, 2020. We have with us here today, A.B. Peria CEO of Min.io. So, A.B., why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and the recent news about a partnership between VMware and Min.io.
1: Great. No, thank you for bringing me on this channel. It feels like not so long ago we spoke.
0: Yeah, it was a couple months back, not that long ago. That's good news.
1: Yeah, you know, it feels like long ago, right? And uh, I'm, I'm myself A B Anand Babu Periasamy. If you dedupe my name, you get A B, right? And uh, I'm one of the co-founders of MinIO, and uh, MinIO is an object storage. And uh, in the, uh, the recent announcement about VMware partnership, it's actually a big step in the in the enterprise uh, IT space, bringing Kubernetes to the enterprise, right? and uh, minio uh, and uh, now is natively available on vmware tanzu and it is available as a service uh, through the data persistent services
0: layer yeah so vmware has been spending a lot of uh, i would say development effort and marketing effort talking about kubernetes on on vmware and and tanzu is the latest uh, latest integration of that activity and so So this is, so What I'm trying to understand how min.io plays in the VM world uh, environment nowadays. Yeah. It's like we saw the industry was split
1: uh, until recently, right? There was enterprise IT that was file block and VMs, right? Or HCI, like the, the closest innovation they had there was HCI. And you saw the cloud native world, which was Kubernetes and containers and everything is elastic. These two worlds were fundamentally incompatible, right? Containers and data services, and the data services either you have object storage or you have a database. And object storage is the primary storage out there, right? Whether it's Snowflake or Azure ML, Power BI, even static website hosting, everything in the cloud is built on object storage. But you look at the private cloud or, the, or in the enterprise, the IT environment, yeah, completely incompatible, right? That has shifted this time. And the way VMware did it, they did such a clean job, if you see the race all along, is how do we modernize the enterprise IT so everybody in the end looks like AWS or one of these public cloud. And our journey was to give the enterprise the storage side of things, which is object storage. And uh, this time around, what VMware did was by bringing Kubernetes support native into the heart of vSphere, it enabled us to go on top of VMware and take full advantage and bridge the world, right? You see, the, uh, the traction Minivo has, we pretty much own the Kubernetes space, it's the de facto object storage of choice in the, in the, in the private cloud, in the hybrid cloud, but when it came to enterprise IT, they uh, we were seen as a shadow IT.
0: Is this something that you know somebody on vCenter can just fire up a, 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 a MinIO object storage cluster? Or I'm I'm trying to understand how this all plays out in the VMworld environment.
2: Yeah, and I'm a little bit even confused because when when I when I talk to VMware about object storage, especially vSAN, I get my hand slapped. And they say, you know what, Keith, VSAN, no, no object storage, not optimized for object storage. It is basically foul and vm.
1: VMFS. That is what they addressed this time, right? And the the, the vCenter is the key, right? So the IT still owns the physical layer, and they they control when to buy, when to upgrade, when to fix the fail to drives the physical to virtual or physical to container. IT owns the physical resources and the SLA and stuff, right? How do they manage it through the vCenter? This time, IT can. Provision private cloud infrastructure, multi-tenant, like full Amazon-like capability, but more enterprise hardened. Without ever learning to spell Kubernetes, and how, uh, this is all done entirely through the vCenter. You don't even have to touch the kubectl command. You need to. You don't need to know even that it's underneath powered by Kubernetes. So,
0: so it's it's it becomes just a a, a vCenter. Data store? I'm not sure even that's the right terminology here, but that isn't that what we're talking about here.
1: The yeah, so the it, it actually it's, it, I'm glad you paid attention to that detail. Right, it's a very fine, subtle detail, but it actually is a huge shift in the industry right like uh, you saw how enterprise uh, enterprise it resisted software defined storage right what vmware calls it as data persistence layer is actually a huge upgrade to the software defined storage the, uh, they actually just moved the industry forward several steps in uh, if you and this is all because that is how the public cloud operates already right it is no longer about storage it's actually about data and now when it comes to data they actually, they put database and object storage are along the same lines. It's actually the same layer. And in the in this announcement, the data persistence uh, services. They, uh, if you see three of them are object storage, and one of them is a Cassandra database. As you see more more services come on, they are essentially going to be a data service, either a database for storing metadata, or it's an object storage. The file and block are are kind of gone, right? But end of the day the hard hard drive is where yeah, like solid state or some block storage you need to still save the data so vsan actually is the is the thin layer that actually virtualizes the physical physical drives or ssds into a container storage interface and enabling high performance object storage like minio or database distributed database to run natively
0: uh, so so effectively this is providing a uh, persistent data layer, or persistent storage layer for uh, the Tanzu containers solution. But, but you know, it, it seems like this sort of stuff also applies to normal VMs and stuff like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, in
1: fact, like the integration speaks volumes, right? How the Instead of just retrofitting, uh, uh, like how, uh, if you say, if you tell the customers, you can just run Kubernetes on top of VMs, nothing changes. It's just a, a marketing campaign, right? That's not what VMware did. They actually brought Kubernetes into the into the vSphere layer and they did some fundamental improvements in a way that Kubernetes now got the benefit of VM-like isolation and you can now manage manage VMs and containers just alike and were running in the supervisor cluster close to the vSAN, uh, vSAN direct uh, layer, you actually get best of both worlds and that to us is a big deal.
2: So uh, I know I know some of this firsthand is one of the big things that VMware did in the 1.0 re- release of vSphere 7.0 and Tanzu was uh, implement namespaces, not just in adopting container namespaces, but adopting namespaces for vSphere and vCenter itself is min.io tying into the concept of namespaces across VMs and containers and offering some new uh, persistent
1: layer of storage uh,
2: based on just Linux namespaces?
1: Yeah, it's actually the, so the VMware namespace uh, now is actually the Kubernetes namespace as well, because they are all kind of converged now, right? And namespace is the fundamental resource isolation. And uh, now just like, applications are isolated from each other through namespace and namespace is how the it would control uh, how resources are allocated in a multi-tenant environment that applies to the storage layer as well meaning the object storage layer or a database layer and even inside minio when you provision new tenants the tenants could be just different departments inside your company or an msp onboarding multiple customers or even within and within a particular department, they may have multiple applications. They want like different SLAs and different isolation security levels. So when you create multiple tenants, MinIO actually uses the same uh, uh, namespace uh, to isolate even between the tenants. If you upgrade one tenant, you may even run different versions of MinIO at, at different times. And uh, there is no disruption between the tenants no, uh, and is fully isolated. So the applications and the data services like MinIO or database are all managed exactly like one fabric.
0: Oh gosh, how's, how's, how well does this thing perform under VSAM solution with with uh, with VMware and all that stuff?
1: You mentioned the problem, right? Like it was not like pre- previously when you asked about VSAN, uh, that a, for object storage they couldn't run, like, and we had the same problem. We, of course, would like to act, make it easier for IT to control the physical layer. We wanted to work uh, on top of VMware, but the problem that early on we had was vSAN to be able to hold petabytes of data. It's uh, not just the scalability part, right? The other real problem is vSAN as a network software-defined network storage, if we are running in one container on, say, node six, and it's attached to a drive that is on node three, now, every I/O that we perform, we, we cause write amplification and we write across the network, and we also have to erase your code, right? This is, the, this, this is the one that they beautifully fixed it by introducing vSAN Direct, which is new in this uh, uh, v, uh, the 7.0 update 1. And vSAN direct gives you the host local access. Also, it eliminates the RAID controller type bottleneck. If we actually get JBOD or a JBOF type type access, you can now bring in thousands of drives to actually build like a very large infrastructure and still IT without, uh, without hiring Amazon like DevOps can manage the private cloud environment all through vCenter.
0: You mentioned Petabytes. I mean, object storage is known for you know having sizable uh, storage repositories, but I'm not sure I've seen many VMware s- installations with petabytes of storage in the past.
2: I can't think of uh, too many vSAN petabytes in the
0: petabytes. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, it was not possible before,
1: but I can tell you the use cases exist. Here is the problem, right? That In every customer base that we have, the IT is kind of frustrated that all the uh, data processing AML workloads are uh, run by the the Hadoop workloads and the Hadoop guys are now Like ditching HTFS and moving to MinIO and they went to Kubernetes and IT couldn't manage those services and then the other problem was like even like in the organizations that are entirely managed under IT like Splunk for example is actually growing really fast inside these organizations and Splunk actually grows to petabytes in no time. Bulk of the organization's data growth is actually machine generated logs and event data and Splunk is getting standardized there instead of Hadoop and HTFS type like complicated Service and when we couldn't bring Splunk and MinIO, like Splunk Smart Store and MinIO combination, we couldn't run them on vSAN because of the same problem. And we actually have customer requirements that uh, that uh, this is one of the bank I can't name. Uh, there are three different sites they have to consolidate and total totaling to like 70, 80 petabytes of data.
0: 70 or 80 petabytes of data? Yeah, in one in one vSphere cluster or, or a couple of vSphere clusters, we're talking. Supercomputer stuff, almost. Yeah, actually, you know,
1: it looks very big, right? But uh, not actually uh, in the object storage space. I Like uh, if you see the dense deployments for MinIO. Uh, they actually like uh, in one, one of our customer, uh, they actually have 200 drives uh, per chassis. In just 16 servers, they are talking about uh, 39 petabytes. 40 drives, 48 drives, 96 drives per chassis. Uh, it, it's sixteen solid.
0: terabyte drives these these things are just amazing yeah and, and that's
1: and i've never i i don't have a problem with
2: petabytes of storage being accessed by v cluster uh typically we just look outside of h c i or b y o d type of solutions to do this we're looking at you know uh purpose built object store solutions or purpose built uh, fowlers that could handle that skill. It's really disruptive to think that you can get that, you know, in the
0: native solution. Yeah, a vSAN HCI solution. That's what we're talking about here, yeah, right? That,
2: that, that's, that's I, I, I can easily think of several use cases. It's just
1: that I would not never have tried it. It is. Disruptive. In fact, like uh, that is how I myself thought that uh, when uh, anyway, data cannot move around and elasticity and stateless. It makes sense for the applications to be stateless containers. And particularly if you look at MinIO, the entire MinIO server is like a 45 megabyte static binary, and it's super easy to start. Even like some average JavaScript developer can run MinIO, uh, even if he or he doesn't know how to run Elasticsearch. It's that simple why would you actually bring it on to kubernetes why would you put minio on container even all these questions for me it wasn't obvious when we started and uh, and we actually did not support kubernetes uh, 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 even though it was designed to be cloud native i i always thought that they would just buy uh, these dense machines run minio on top of it keep it simple and application would be on the containers right what actually happened was the community started maintaining these helm charts they actually started putting containers and if you look at our da- downloads they are basically more than 61% is all containers and kubernetes type and they are all uh, they, they they basically they are all uh, man, like community and customers pushing us towards it when i started asking these guys why are you guys doing it right i was surprised just like you and what they told me was they want to completely containerize their software infrastructure. Sounds very familiar, like how VMware, everything has to be virtualized, right? This time, they want to virtualize the data layer as well. Why? Because they are saying that they roll out their software updates multiple times a month, sometimes even multiple times a day, and they uh, this is crucial for them when they containerize. That's why they containerized and uh, brought Kubernetes for orchestration. You can now deploy on Edge or high, uh, private cloud, public cloud, anywhere and if you only virtualized or containerized the uh, the the application side you try try if you go to azure now you can't put emc appliance or a NetApp appliance there you can't even buy it this is where they want everything has to be containerized
0: right so you guys get a lot of downloads i mean is it as uh, a uh, a highly active environment i mean yeah it it, it it i remember like as it is like it was already
1: growing like in the first two years right And then around like 2017, uh, like we were just doing our series A, and it started like uh, just exponential race. And our investors are super excited, and I'm I'm telling them, maybe it's one of the security fix we did. Everybody's rushing to update. Don't count on it. It will fall down. And it actually started accelerating, started accelerating, like even growing faster and faster. We are nearly doubling like every 18 months, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: And so this is kind of, you know, it's it's all part to seems seems to be part of VMware's push to I'll say conquer the container world as they've conquered the enterprise IT world it seems, right? I mean, they're just trying to make this environment as as useful to enterprise IT as they possibly can.
1: Yes, actually for us it was something that we wanted to do but we could not do just like the rest of the world says don't fight the cloud. For us, we were were there. We were born in the cloud, right? But we didn't want to fight the IT because IT actually did uh, important things like SLAs and upgrades, updates. They still run the infrastructure, right? We have to incorporate them, but we couldn't do it because we didn't want to be a hardware appliance company. This time around, that VMware bridged the Kubernetes world, the cloud native world, and the enterprise IT into one fabric by allowing us to not retrofit but run natively this time it made it possible. And this time we are like, uh, what, like we, want, we didn't want to fight IT. Now we don't have to.
2: So let's talk a little bit about that not fighting IT and in integrating into existing flows. Because I like not fighting IT. I'm an IT guy. The, if I'm not ready for containers, and but I'm ready to move to vSphere 7.0, what's the,
1: what's the argument for Min.io in that environment? So if, if you are IT, right, so it's, if you see the industry, how it happened, right, how IT saw these new developments in their lab, uh, almost every case in, in our customer base, right? The, it's very much like in how Linux itself penetrated and then, like, say, even application services, uh, like, say, like, in the past, you would buy WebLogic and, like, say, DB2 or SQL Server license and you would give to the application developer, now you go build application. But nowadays that where an application team tells IT that not only I'm running Cassandra or Elastic and Kafka, they are telling I have even orchestrated everything. Now I, I manage my application infrastructure. I push multiple times. It's all CICD. And IT is like, I don't know how to deal with that. And IT applications team is like, let me do it. And this is where, uh, but the applications team, the, they don't, they're, for them, the priority is not SLA, security, and a bunch of other things that even they don't even know how to spec out the hardware. And this is where what, what, uh, the way the VMware integrated, if you see MinIO specific case itself, you can, uh, you, when you go to the vCenter UI and provision, like you actually you you, uh, all you all you are saying is you basically say this tenant how much capacity how many nodes uh, how much memory and cpu resources you want to give then you say you you want them to connect uh, to an ldap or open id identity manager encryption service you connect to a key management service you basically just setting what their bounds are, right? Because you are in a better place. You don't want some rogue application to take over uh, or even some unintentional, right? You still control that. You can, you are doing all of that still without a ever touching Kubernetes. But from once the tenant is provisioned, then the applications team has native Kubernetes API, and they can do all API-driven. They are the one, your customers, IT's customers, that is the application team, they would use Kubernetes interface, but you would use vCenter interface, but both of them are nicely integrated.
0: It's kind of like a shadow IT came out of existence doing this sort of stuff, and now they can actually do it on real IT infrastructure and sort of be administrated and managed to some extent by the real IT you know organization and stuff like that. It's, it's uh, really interesting. So it's uh, it's almost time I just wanted to ask one question about um, how how is it working with VMware uh, being a you know a startup like yourself yeah
1: you know i, 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 I we, we worked very closely with them on this and I, now I can I can tell you from my heart right' it's actually uh, the team was wonderful for a company of their size uh, I, we felt like they are just another startup of our size they were moving fast at the same pace and uh, also more than anything, right? They were resourceful like a startup. There is no bureaucracy, nothing in between. Getting things done for a company of that size to behave like a startup was just uh, stunning, right? For us, we, we don't want to do things from a press release and marketing point of view right we have to do something that is real and it will benefit our world and we uh, our customers and our community and uh, it was uh, the reason for us to get engaged with VMware was they were doing real uh, they were fixing the problems the right way and it that, and, right so that is what enabled us and got us excited but working with them closely i think they are uh, they are just a big startup
0: it seems like to me, ever since they started playing in this container space, their their development cadence has started to increase. The, the vSAN team has always been, you know, uh, really quickly uh, adopting technologies and stuff like that. I don't know. Keith, you're kind of involved in that. What do you think of what they're doing these days?
2: Yeah, you know, I remember I've, I've been doing podcasts around vSAN for the probably past five or six years that I remember it was vSAN HaHa. <laughs> to wow vsan is in my data center i'm running vsan so yeah it's come uh, a long way yeah it's come a very long way it's uh feature parity most most features uh enterprises care about for general purpose
1: workloads are there
0: and this is just another example right
1: Today, if you, are, if you are rolling out like a, a, a software defined, every, everything cloud native, right? You need to have a both store, basically storage, networking and compute. All of them has to be containerized or VMs, virtualized, and that's how you can roll out anywhere. Otherwise there is no cloud, right? Uh, and they, they are now uh, there, they brought it together.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. That's amazing. All right, so Keith, any last questions for AB before we la- leave?
2: No, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of uh, looking at solutions other than... No, I'll ask the question. What if I'm not a vSAN fan? What if I have VCF and I use VCF for the the core? What about solutions outside of vSAN?
1: So it... You can actually use MinIO through the TKGI, Tonsu Kubernetes Grid Interface. You can actually run MinIO as just an up, like a Kubernetes application, right? That is also possible where you would mount anything that maps as a CSI. That's like a, a vSAN, V-V-V, like vWall, pretty much anything, right? But uh, I actually like the current integration with the vSAN and how it's tightly integrated. And we are in the supervisor cluster with more privileges and you have the vCenter console. But I think uh, eventually even, uh, I can't speak for VMware, I think uh, technically the same technology that is released can actually just support vWall as well. But uh, they uh, find, It will be more like, do you want to support a legacy SAN NAS, why would you build object storage on top of SAN and NAS, not just object storage, even the distributed databases and data services, they took care of replication, erasure code, everything, so vSAN is the right interface, so that's why they focused on this one then enabling vVOL, but I don't know, maybe in the future it might happen, but it is more like it only benefits the legacy investment. If you have already made investment into the sand or NAS, it makes sense. But for all new deployments, I think uh, V sand V sand direct is the way to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Ab, anything else uh, you'd like to say to our listening audience before we close? Uh,
1: just well, one one small point, right? Like if you see the the data persistence announcement, the, uh, it's actually it it is not just about a. A, a hardware appliance vendor is writing a CSI driver and claiming to be now Kubernetes compatible. This is actually, this is the first time that you see the shift has happened, that a storage in, a storage software is now treated like a database and it has to be available as a container. This is where you see the all the storage giants who are appliance vendors actually have no role to play. They have to go back to the drawing board to build something that is not only software defined, it has to be container native object storage built from scratch, which is what we have been doing all along, it gave us a huge advantage.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Well, this has been great. Thank you very much, AB, for, for being on our show today. And thanks again to Min.io for sponsoring this podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. You know, yeah, I always enjoy talking to uh, you both, Right? Thank you, Ray. Thank you,
0: Keith. All right, that's it for now. Bye Keith. Bye Ray. And bye, AB. Bye everyone. Until next time. Thanks. Next time, we will talk to another system storage technology person. Any questions you want us to ask, please let us know. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends about it. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as this will help continue.